0: When I was a pastor, it always meant a lot to me when a member of my staff would come alongside whatever vision I had projected and whatever language I was using, that they would sort of parrot that and duplicate it. And so now that the shoe is on the other foot, and I am not the pastor, but I am supporting the pastor. And I'm on the pastor's team and the pastor's staff. I, I want to do that for the Lord. And I want to come alongside our pastor who cast vision for our theme this year. As Pastor Nathan already said, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go. And I want to uh, use this language and use his talking points. And just sort of uh, support him in some way. So I like this theme. I I, I really, really like it because it's biblical, it's apostolic, it's missional, it's inclusive, let's, (laughs) it's partnership, it's directional, and it is a vision. For our future. So, what is the Life Church going to do for God in 2024? Well, we're going to go. (laughs) We're going to go. We're going to go together. We're going to go forward on mission. And so, I want to support and partner and get behind this vision. So, with that in mind, let's go to the Word of the Lord, Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. I'm reading the New King James. I read all the versions and I found the one that said what I wanted it to say. And that's the one I'm going to read. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Read verse 19 out loud with me, will you please? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then I'll read verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So my subject tonight is parroting the vision of our church, and it's simply let's go. So everything about the church, the apostolic church, is go. Everybody say go. In fact, we call ourselves a oneness, apostolic, Pentecostal, you know, sort of takes a lot to get to where we're going. Oneness, apostolic, Pentecostal church, Uh, and all of those nomenclatures are significant, but... Apostolic uh, is from the Greek word apostolos, which means sent one. Everybody say sent sent one. In Jesus' priestly prayer of John 17, there's so much to unpack. And I'll just skim, perhaps highlights, if there is such a thing in the Bible. It's all important. But there are numerous let's go missional statements in Jesus' prayer. So let me sort of situate this prayer. This is at the end of his ministry. And he's sort of summarizing, if you will, or recapping everything that he's been doing. In fact, at one point in the priestly prayer, he said, I'm finished. I'm finished. I finished the work. Now, he hadn't finished his work on the cross yet, but he finished that very important work of building a team and making disciples and teaching uh, his values. And in fact, in this text that we read, he told us to teach all things that he's commanded them. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever taken the time, anybody here has ever taken the time to synthesize all the commands that Jesus made in the four gospels, but there are 150 explicit commands, 150, that's no joke right there. And there's another 150 implicit or implied commands, 300 commands. In fact, if you Google it, somebody did take the time to assimilate that and put it together. Just Google the commands of Jesus. And there'll be 300 altogether commands that uh, Jesus gave his disciples. And he said, those are the things that we're supposed to be teaching. In fact, I read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There's a lot of them right in there. Uh, And there's a lot to obey and to align with in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But in this priestly prayer, Jesus, as a man, as our suffering servant, as the human representation of God in flesh, our model, our example, he's summarizing, he's being accountable, and and he's praying, and he said, I did it, I finished it. And here's what he... Look at these missional statements. There's no less than eight of them. So twice in Jesus' prayer, he said that he had been sent. He said, I've been sent. So I'm not just whistling Dixie. I've been sent. Secondly, he said, as you sent me, so I send them. So what I'm trying to demonstrate to you is go is all through Jesus' accountability with the Father and in his summary of what he's been doing for the last three years plus. So he said, as you sent me, I send them. Then Jesus said, I do not pray for the world. That's interesting. He said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my followers. If my followers will do what they're supposed to do, the world will be all right. So I'm praying for those that have been given to me because they're the ones that are going and on the mission. Fourthly, he said he was no longer now going to be in the world, but they, his followers are in the world. He said, so keep them. Number five, he prayed that he said the world hates them because they know that they are not of the world have you ever been hated have you ever stuck out stuck out like a sore thumb it sort of tests your christianity if you've never been persecuted if you've never pushed anybody's button not that you're out being annoying and obnoxious you know i was i told my uh, uh, my family the other day my dad was in a college class he told us kids, this story. It was a night class and he was sitting right in the middle of class and there was nobody within five or six chairs of where he was sitting. And this professor was ready to launch on a diatribe. He probably was going to cuss and just let somebody have it. And he said, oh, there's something I want to say right now, but you, sir, are keeping me from saying it. He pointed right at my dad. You know, you need... What Andrea was talking about tonight, that never hurts us. It is scary, but it's, it's working for us. And it's a part of being light and salt. And uh, the greatest force, the second greatest force in the world today is the spirit of Antichrist. The greatest force is the spirit of Christ that is in the church. Christ is in the church. And as far as I can tell, biblically, According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that it is the spirit of Christ in the church that is holding back the second greatest force in the world, the spirit of Antichrist. And so we, we are a problem for the world. And we're starting to see that more and more. The world has changed in the last 10 years, not for the better. And uh, we're going to see, we're going to see, uh, let's just say, opposition to the apostolic church like never before, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid, it's exciting. It's exciting, the Lord will help us. So number six, the sixth thing in John 17, he said, they are not of the world just like I am not of the world. Number seven, he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, he's praying for those present And he's praying for their followers, their disciples. And finally, he said, I'm praying that the world may know that you have sent me. So throughout this priestly prayer, his summary, his accountability to the Father, he's sort of coming back and saying, I did everything that you asked me to do. There's this missional language. There's this sent language, this go language. And if... If that is dominating Jesus' summary prayer, then it has dominated his life. So in Matthew 28, 19, where he said, go make disciples and baptize all nations. This is what we call the great, what? Commission. This is the great commission. This is it. This is what it's all about. This is why Jesus Christ came as God himself robed in flesh why he suffered, bled, died, rose again, poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so in the real time moment of Matthew 28, 19, he's on the Mount of Olives. And they have no idea that a cloud is about ready to lift him like an elevator. And they're going to watch him slowly ascend. And the Bible says... And while they beheld him, a cloud took him up. And they're just, they're just, whoa. <laughs> never seen that before. You know, Jesus was rarely, if ever, dramatic about himself. He never said, hey, watch this. You know, he, he never, <laughs> he never did one of those. Okay, he was very practical. He was always giving glory to God, always deferring. To the Father, but this is one time <laughs> when He allowed a little drama. I don't know if those of you were in the Passion Play we used to do back in the old church. We used to try to recreate that. Jamie O'Neill was the mastermind behind all of our props and tricks. And we had a, we had, it took a drywaller lift, Brother Ryan, that was, you know, had, a, we built an extension on it. And then we had all this smoke and, and Jesus. Jesus was going up. I thought it was a pretty cool effect. And, uh, but you can't recreate the actual thing that happened. And what I want to emphasize to you is when Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples and baptize all nations. When he says this, these are his last words right before he ascends. Would you not agree that his last words are very important? Have you ever been at the bedside of a loved one who's leaving this world, and you lean down to listen to their last words? It's pretty significant. Um, My dad's last words were that I heard him say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord set his countenance upon you and give you peace. Wow. He gave us the priestly blessing mom and us four kids. And those were his last words. Now, on the other hand, my wife's aunt, Margie Becton, when she was leaving, she was elderly. She'd been sick. Her kids were all around my wife's cousins, her cousin, Ron Becton shared with us that, you know, they were expecting angels to show up and, you know, and it was felt like a godly moment. And, and, uh, uh, here she lived for God all these years and she sort of raised up. She hadn't said anything. Her eyes had been glazed over for a couple of days and suddenly they became clear and she raised up and she was pointing. Ron said he was looking and said, Mom, what is it? Is there an angel here? What's, what, what's going on? She said, I want a drink of that Diet Coke. <laughs> they sort of were not expecting that. But if you knew Margie Beckton. That was sort of her way. And she was very, very special and very precious. So Jesus' last words are, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them and teach them. So everybody say, go. That's what he's saying, go. So how are we doing? How are you doing? How are you doing with the command of Jesus? You know, Jesus did say, If you love me, what? Obey me. Yeah, keep my commandments. One translation said, obey me. That's pretty strong. If you love me, obey me. So we have been challenged and given an opportunity by the Lord to go. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, there are a lot of things that we can do that we would consider to be on the mission uh, to reach the world. For example, intercessory prayer, living godly lives, our lights shining, being salty. You know, you gotta get salt and proximity and proximity and light on location, salt and light. Uh, We can open our mouths and speak a word. We can pray for people, we can Bake a pie and take it to a neighbor who's lost a loved one. We can show kindness and hospitality in the Good Samaritan way. And we thank God for those wonderful behaviors, not taking any of that away. But uh, I was going to have people stand, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to, don't raise your hand or anything, but have you? In your lifetime, taught at least one Bible study or had a spiritual conversation pointing someone toward the gospel message. I really think that's when when the Bible says, for example, in Acts 8 4, and they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They weren't preaching general conference sermons with, you know, three points and an altar call. They're telling their story of how Jesus Christ saved them. And then bringing the gospel message from the scripture. You know, the Bible says uh, in Acts 6, 7, the word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. So, you know, they didn't have Bibles. The first century believers didn't have Bibles. There was one Bible in the community. It was locked in a wooden box in the synagogue. So they were rehearsing what the apostles had preached, what they had taught them, how they'd equipped them and trained them. And we would do well to do the same. You know, pastor preaches a great message on Sunday. Don't let it die by the time you, you're done with lunch, you know, on Sunday, but let that message live in you through the week. Chances are you're going to be able to use it, you know, somewhere with someone somehow, you know, give it a little shelf life. You know, most Uh, I'll say this, I probably spent early on in my ministry 30 hours on one message. And then the smarter I got, well, the more informed and the more my wagon was loaded, I didn't have to spend as much time. And I remember my pastor who taught me to preach saying that, you know, the longer you're in the ministry, the less time you'll take. But it never was under 10 hours. I can tell you that. Never. Never. And so let those messages and Bible studies have a shelf life. Take them with you. Rehearse it. That's how the first century church did business. That's how they preached. And so uh, I'm just asking you a question. Have you ever taught a Bible study to someone beyond the walls of this building? Secondly, have you ever prayed with someone on location, not in this place? Let me put it this way. If you've never prayed for anybody in here, you're probably not doing it out there. So get good at it in here, practice in here. You know, go up to a stranger in here and ask him if you can pray with him. That's good rehearsal for you. This is a home field advantage. (laughs) Not so much, you know, out there. So get good at it in here. Does that make sense? You know, practice in here, get good in here. You know, don't just come and go to church, but, you know, think about what am I going to do when I'm leaving? Because that's the real go. Coming to church has come, but leaving here is the go. Uh, What about uh, have you ever baptized someone, either here or beyond the walls of this facility? Uh, Have you ever prayed with someone? who was filled with the Holy Ghost, either here or beyond the walls of this campus. I cannot imagine any 21st century apostolic oneness Pentecostal believer wanting to go to heaven without bringing someone the gospel, without sharing their faith, without seeing transformation in their life. And I'll tell you what happens many times is we... So there's what we would call ministry and mission. And everyone here should have ministry. You should be doing something by way of serving, some sort of a ministry. I don't care if it's folding bulletins. Well, we don't even have those. But, you know, uh, opening doors, uh, you know, making coffee, uh, doing something to serve somewhere, somebody, sometime, somehow, something small. I was watch, I was. Uh, slipped out to get a drink of water and AJ was walking around checking doors. Well, he's my favorite security guy. You know, he's out there. He's, what's he doing? He's serving. He's found a place to serve. And I celebrate that. But ministry is no replacement for mission. Uh, you say, well, someone says, well, you know, I don't make disciples because I'm on the praise team. You know, I, I don't reach for lost people because, um, you know, I, uh, I work in, in the sound booth and I'm working with media. No, nobody gets a pass. That's the thing. We're all called to get on the mission. I don't, I'm not trying to put anybody in a guilt trip. I'm, not, I'm just trying to situate the, the command of Jesus and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And we thank God for your ministry. And we thank God for everything that you're doing to help this campus, you know, run like a well-oiled machine. But are you on the mission? Don't confuse the two. Um, So we all like to quote that Jesus is with us to the end of the age. But in the text it looks to me like that's a conditional promise. And I'm not saying that he's not with us if we never baptize somebody, but I guarantee you that if you're on the mission to baptize, to make disciples, to, to teach everything that Jesus commanded, then you have the promise. He said, those of you that are on the mission, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Um, So we talk about the great commission, but don't be the great omission of the great commission. Here's one more thing I love about Jesus. Jesus did not just say, you know, you people go. He said, let's go. I love that about him. He was not a travel agent. You know, a travel agent books your tickets and you know, gets everything lined up and he hands them to you and you say, okay, well, you all have a good time. No, no, no. He's not a travel agent. He's more like a tour guide. The tour, travel agent says, you go. The tour guide says, let's go. And I'm so glad that he goes with us. He goes with us. Most everything that I'm saying tonight I have said over the last since September of twenty twelve about making disciples <laughs> um, I got some new stuff, but I'm not unpacking any of that tonight i I want to see the life church become everything that God has called us to be and has called us to do inviting people to church is good it's wonderful but it's not really what jesus told us to do he didn't say invite sinners to church he said the church go to sinners is everybody all right we we have our own model where we invite people to church that's awesome but that's not really the direction of the great commission. If we all get on the great commission, we'll have more people coming to church than what we know what to do with. In fact, most of the disciples that God has given me, I never invited them to church. I was in their house. Some of them for months, every week, never invited them one time. Why? Because I'm the church. I'm bringing church to them. What's church? Church. A worship service, I'm a worship service. A message, I'm a message. A prayer meeting, I'm a prayer meeting because I have a prayer life. Conviction, I have conviction. Holiness, I have holiness. Uh, An altar call, I am an altar call. Right here, wherever I am, I'm an altar call. I'm ready. So I see Brother Nuge back here and I asked for permission, but he had attended service a few times and so... I asked him if I could take him to lunch and we went to lunch. I think that was the last time I bought lunch because he grabs the check now. I don't know what got into him, but uh, I have to arm wrestle him for the for the to pay the lunch bill. But um, he said, Pastor, I want you to come to my house. I said, sure. I thought that was a little. Unusual. I'll come to your house. He said, I want to show you my business and what I do for a living. And so he unpacked all of that for me. And, and I think when Anuj was coming to church in those days, he had a, he was Hindu and he had a red dot in his forehead. And so he showed me around and his basement looked like a UPS store, you know, where you can ship things and pack things and load things and is very impressive. And then as I was about to leave, I had my hand on the front door. I turn around and he's weeping. He's weeping, sobbing. Well, what, what was going on? The church came to his house. That's what was going on. The presence of God came into his house. So that opened the door. Can I... Can I bring a Bible study to your house on Thursday afternoon? Yeah. I don't know how long we did that. We did that for months. God filled the nudes with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized. And why? Because the church came to his house. It didn't all just happen here. The church went somewhere. And so this is what we're called to do. So I I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. And I'm going to close. But I want you to think about someone you know, someone you care about, someone that you don't want to be lost, and you want them to obey the gospel. I want you to get their face in your mind's eye and their name, even if it's just their first name. It may be somebody you know very well, someone you just met, you're feeling the nudge of the Lord. Okay. Everybody say, I got it. Everybody say, I got it. Okay. We got, we got that name. You can open your eyes now. So here's how simple this is. Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. Jesus really only made 12 disciples in his entire ministry. And he's not asking you to make 12. Just one. He was the friend of sinners. Everybody raise your hand if you have a friend. I'm surveying. 92% of you have a friend. Ooh, I'm worried about 8% of you. What's the deal? You don't take showers. You don't brush your teeth. <laughs> okay, we all have a friend. We all have a friend. Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. Look at this. Jesus was accused of being a wine-bibber and a glutton and a friend of sinners. Can we do any less? Do you have any friends that are sinners are all your friends saved, sanctified, justified, and petrified in the church. That's that's not good if you don't have any friends, if you're not making any friends in the community. This is what go is all about. It's not go to church. It's not go sing in the choir. It's not go pay your tithes. It's go make disciples. What better goal could you have for 2024 in this first month of the year than to dedicate this year to building a relationship? Don't get hyper about it. Don't think you got to have them here by this Sunday. No, no, no. Build a relationship. Take your time. I was in Pete and Ella's house, Pete and Ella Olson. From October to November, excuse me, April to November, April to November. Finally, he said, where's your church, pastor? That's exactly what happened. Where's your church? I told him, he said, oh, I drive by there all the time. He said, I'll be there. We'll be there Sunday. What should we expect? I said, where are your crash helmets? <laughs> True story. So they came. We were over at Evangel Temple. And they came. There were six of them. And I thought, oh Lord, you know, when you have a guest at church and you've invested seven months, you know, two hours every week, you're like, boy, I hope nobody just wrecks what I've been trying to do. Sure enough, the place is crazy. People doing the whirly birds, shouting, running the aisles, dancing. I'm so glad that I said, wear your crash helmets. Pete did not know what that meant. I don't know why I said it. But anyway, I I looked back at them. It looked like they had a Wimbledon tennis match. They're going. (laughs) I think they were highly entertained. And uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to them. So the next Thursday night, 7 o'clock, I'm knocking on their door. Usually they were right there. Nobody answered the door. I thought, oh, it's over. I started walking back to the car and I heard, come in, pastor. I turned around, walked in, walked down the hallway, turned the corner. they are there in their kitchen table. And Pete goes, now. And they all reached under their chairs and strapped on bicycle helmets. <laughs> I thought, I got them now. I got them now. It wasn't a week or two. They were baptized. And not too long after that, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And... And we thank, we thank God. Pete's with the Lord. Elle is serving God. She's, most of you know, she's moved to South Carolina, to be with, by her children. But God's faithful. And um, so let's stand. And uh, would you, uh, we've got two minutes. Just come quickly and bring that name with you to the altar. And we're just going to pray. We're just going to see what God will do. We're just going to have a prayer. Some of you already have disciples. Some of you may not. But who is your friend that's a sinner? And that you can see them. Once you get up here, just close your eyes. Can you see them coming to the altar? Can you see them being baptized? Can you see yourself baptizing them? Can you see them lifting their hands and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you see them walking with God and helping you to turn around and make more disciples? We just want to see somebody catch on fire. Amen. Let's lift our hands and just pray for lost people. Let's take these people to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love sinners. We love sinners at the Life Church. We don't care what they look like. We don't care what they smell like. Lord, we don't care. Lord, how they're living right now, if they're in prison right now, Lord if, Lord, if they're bound by drugs, alcohol, if they're religious and in another church right now, but they've never obeyed the gospel, whoever they are, Lord, I just, Lord, ask you, God, to lay them on our hearts, and may we be intentional about building relationships with them and disarming them, Lord, and becoming their friend, oh, Lord, You will help us to know how to do it. You will help us to follow your pattern. In the name of Jesus, come on, let's pray for them right now. Like if we don't pray, they're gonna be lost. If we don't pray, they're gonna go to hell. If we don't pray right now, amen. God can take your prayer right now. He can take your prayer right now and set a pattern, set a path, plant a seed. In the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love lost people. We love sinners at the Life Church. May we be accused of the same that you were, Lord. You were the friend of sinners. You were the friend of sinners. We love sinners, Lord. We want them to be saved. We want them to be baptized. We want them to obey the gospel, Lord. We want them, oh Lord, to serve you and to live for you and to walk with you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, this year we want to go like we've never gone before. We want to impact our city like we never have before. We want to impact lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, save our families, save our children, save our grandchildren. Lord, save our brothers and sisters. Save our parents, oh Lord. God, let seeds be planted, Lord, today that will spring up tomorrow for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God's sake. Lord, we want to love them like you love them. We want to care about them, Lord, like you care about them. Lord, we want to reach them like you would reach them if you were here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, don't let them be lost, Lord. Lord, break through every barrier, break through, Lord, every tradition, break through every addiction, break through, Lord, every hindrance. In the name of Jesus, clear a path for them, Lord. I really believe God is breaking in on religious people, not just the down and out, but he's breaking in on people that are committed to Christ. Some of them really just don't know who he is yet. In fact, this Friday, I'm having lunch with a young pastor in our city of another denomination but he read my book The Unflawed Leader and he's reached out and this is how we multiply churches when the pastor gets baptized we've seen it so God is with us because we're with him Amen. Closing prayer. Let's partner. Let's pray. Let's pray over our city. Let's pray over every hungry heart. Every hungry life. Do you love Kansas City? Do you love this metro? Let's pray over our city. Lord, we love our city. We love our city. We love our city. We love our city. city. Lord, you're up to something magnificent. You're up to something unusual and extraordinary. Oh God, in this city. We feel it when we're driving, when we're walking, when we're praying. You're breaking in, oh God. You're breaking in all around us. Lord, we wanna facilitate it. Raise up Aquila and Priscilla. Raise up, Lord, Ananias. Raise up, oh God, Philip and Stephen. Raise up, Lord, 21st century versions of the first century church. Hallelujah. Lord, raise up the disciples that started the church at Antioch. Lord, raise them up among us, oh God. Lord, you're breaking in. We want to baptize pastors. We want to baptize congregations. Lord, you're doing it. You're doing it all over the world. <laughs> Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Last thing, I reached out to someone in Global Missions and I asked them, How many pastors? were baptized and I named the nation um, and the answer came back, 1,500 licensed ministers were baptized in the name of Jesus over the last several years in this nation. And I'm praying that that will come to America. (laughs) Amen. The Lord be with you. Thank you, pastor, for the opportunity to Teach the word of the Lord tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Shake somebody's hand. Say, let's go.